Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to now be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from New York, my guest is known for being the keyboard player in OAR and has also performed with the likes of Pink, Jewel, and Train, among others. He was even in the cast of Broadway's Stomp. He is a singer-songwriter who also does extensive solo work, both recording and live shows, and has developed the art of guitar drumming. He has also created Toontrek, a travel and music show that he'll be pitching to network soon. You've been hearing a song of his called Work It Out. It's my pleasure to welcome Michael Paris. Hi, how are you? Fantastic. Uh, Michael, great, great to get you on the show here today. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too, Bruce. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. So as the listeners can tell from the intro, uh, you're not the the cookie-cutter recording artist. A a very eclectic story here, and it has pretty much always been that way with you, yes? Pretty much. I mean, ever since I was a young lad growing up in Connecticut, music was my driving force. I mean, that that, that was at, at an early age pretty much became uh, everything to me. And I was always exploring different ways of, of creating music. You know, it was, it was one of those classic stories of those, the, the stomp performers that you hear where when they were kids, they were in the kitchen banging on pots and pans <laughs> and, and, and trying to make rhythm and music just out of anything they could find. So I, I, I was always interested in, trying to do something different and and being inspired by what by what i i heard in the music and and the art around me but trying to always put my own spin on things not not just for the sake of of doing something different but because i just was have always been driven to try and find a, a new way to do things so sometimes i'm successful and sometimes i'm not and i and i take the failures with as much weight as the as the success so yeah, that's a good attitude. I, I think I think it's helpful though for the listeners to know, you know, that you do come from somewhat of a, a, a formal background, if you will. Uh, the the Hart School oh, of yeah. Music, um, you know, you majored in jazz piano, so you know there there is a foundation there that that looks pretty traditional. Oh, absolutely. I mean, since I was four, I started taking piano lessons, and it was mainly classical. All, all the way through college. I mean, it, I have, I have that classical foundation, and I realized relatively quickly that I didn't have the discipline to be a professional classical pianist. Mm, interesting. I, yeah, I, I mean, as far as just the rudiments and doing scales and arpeggios, I had a, a rude awakening my, my freshman year in college when my classical piano teacher said to me, "All right, next week I want all the." arpeggios and all the scales and I and I had not been practicing them my <laughs> my classical piano teacher kind of gave up on on trying to really get me to do that she just wanted to inspire me to enjoy music and to play music so jazz was one of those things where in 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 school in in high school it w- it was an opportunity for me to stretch out of classical and to uh, re- really embrace that, that freedom and, and the improvisation, which became a real foundation for my, my musical language as a whole, was yeah. incorporating that feeling of spontaneity. And that's, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm, I've become pretty successful at doing that with all of my creative in- adventures, that uh, there's, this, there's this level of you know, off the cuffness that I that I think 
is where a lot of the magic happens. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, nice. But uh but at the same time, I mean that's you know, that that's a cool story that you know, she said it and you're saying, you know, I really think she was just trying to inspire, you know, some creativity in me. But I have to imagine that for a minute you had the deer in the headlights look. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I, I freaked out. I mean, that first week before I had my next lesson freshman year at heart, I, I was on a piano for five or six hours every day late at night. Wow. So people couldn't hear me <laughs> practicing the scales and the arpeggios that I had. At least I, I knew what I was supposed to be doing. And he, he knew, you know, when I, when I, he was like, you haven't really been practicing these, uh, up to now, then you caught me. And he was, <laughs> he was a great piano teacher also, but he was, he was, you know, this is important. You need, you, this is like, it's, it's, it's like warming up for, you know, racing the, the, the 440 hurdles with, you know, you need to, you need to stretch, you need to, you need to get your muscles ready for that race. And, I, before every show now, I sit down, you know, when we're doing sound check, and I do scales and arpeggios for ten minutes, wow. and it's just it's just warming up the fingers, which is kind yeah. of ironic that as, yeah. as a kid I didn't want anything to do yep. with it. Yeah, exactly. But now, but now I see the value of it. It's 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 warming up like anything else. You got to warm up the fingers or whatever you're doing. Warm up your voice as a musician, or you know, it, it warm up. Uh, as an actor, you need to whatever you, yeah. you, you yeah. need. You need to do those warm ups, and I and I finally. It, it, it happened late, but I finally embraced it, and I, I see the value of it, and it's important. And I and I wish that I had done it more when I was younger. You know, yeah, it's, I really do. it's come full circle now. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I want to just kind of build here on the fact that you did have this classical training because, again, you know, you've used it to go somewhere else with it. But it's you know, we've we've heard countless times on the show. I mean, for instance, in your case. You know, talking about piano, uh, way back on uh, on episode nine, Melissa Brethauer, you know, she talked about that her first her first instrument was being classically trained on piano. And although she'll still, you know, play, say, digital piano at some of her live shows, she's really gone more heavily on guitar. And, and then more recently, uh, two weeks ago, episode 28, Melissa Joyner, and even uh, the week before that, Chrissy Chase, were, you know, a couple of guests that had opera training that were opera singers early on and they've gone on to, to different genres so i just want the listeners you know to hear you know that that michael has taken the knowledge you know from from the the, the formal training early on and and built from it but again like we just said full circle you know that now here you are falling back on that when it comes to uh yeah. you know getting ready to go on stage um, you, yep. you started to talk about the, the following um, already so far during this conversation, but I just kind of want to go back to it and, and specifically direct the question. So th- things like guitar drumming and, and the multimedia solo show, do, do you do things like that because it's just who you are, or is it because something happened that made you decide, okay, I've got to come up with something or some things, plural, pretty different so that I'll stand out from the crowd, or or maybe you maybe you did it because of both reasons. Yeah, there's 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 some of some of all of that. Like I was saying before, as a, as a kid, I was always trying to embrace my uniqueness and and not be afraid. And once I once I got out of college and I got involved with the show Stomp, that was a real inspiration for me to learn from this experience of these, these two guys from Brighton who had this idea and they, they started workshopping it and started getting response from people as they were busking on the streets and realized that they're onto something here. As much as people were telling them that they're crazy and it's not music, they, they stuck to their guns and they, they really embraced it and developed it and had confidence in it. And I really... I really learned from that and was inspired by that. And so I'd already messed around with this drumming on a guitar when I, right when I had um, taken a little break from college with a friend of mine where I was, he was playing chords on an acoustic and I was drumming on the strings with those juggling sticks that you mm. see at like a Grateful Dead concert where the, the people would be juggling. They're wrapped in this sort of soft electrical tape stuff, this mm-hmm. spongy tape. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a really cool sound. And as I thought about it more, I realized I didn't want to be dependent on it being a two-person thing. I wanted to try and experiment with drumming and, and incorporating these textures of me being a piano player and loving rhythm 
and melodic stuff. And once I got to stop, I, I, it sort of really gave me that extra little oomph and confidence to look at this as a really cool thing. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop this, and I'm going to work on it. I'm just going to sit every day with this guitar, and I'm going to start, start experimenting. And hearing this sound and the attack of how my finger would hit the strings and what different types of sonic textures can I get and how can I incorporate the knocking of the body of the guitar and poking and, and thumbing with my left thumb into some cohesive texture so that it's not, it's not a gimmick. It's, yeah, this is how yeah. I play the guitar. When I was in high school, I, I also played soccer growing up. Since I was five, I played soccer. My dad was my coach every year, which was awesome and <laughs> sometimes scary. Um, and I finally decided in high school that I was going to take a break. You had to decide upon whether after school you were going to do music, theater, or sports. And I loved all three of those things. Mm. And this one year, I was like, you know what? I want to play soccer. I want to play soccer this, this season. So mm -hmm. I went to the pre-soccer camp was practicing, rehearsing, and this kid who I never really liked just decided he wanted to take the ball away from me as we're taking shots on goal. He pushed <laughs> me, and I fell back and broke my wrist, my left Oh, wrist. gosh. Yeah, so I, of course, I go to school the first day in a cast, which was kind of cool. You know, it was like a, a, <laughs> something to talk about. Yeah. And when I started to try and play guitar, it just, that position for my left hand was just really uncomfortable. I'll that, bet, I'll bet. Holding, Holding, holding the neck, and it just never really felt good. So it was also that physical uh, sort of feeling of, I want to keep my hands in my piano playing position, because wow. that's where I'm most comfortable. Wow. And how can I play guitar like that? <laughs> and so it was, it was a combination of searching for something different, but also physically not feeling comfortable playing the guitar in that traditional way. Yeah. And then combine that with being involved with Stomp and, and, and having the confidence to pursue something different and unique. And now it's just become, when I'm writing music, it's, if, if I'm on a guitar messing around, it just becomes, well, this song is, I wrote while I was on the guitar. And this song I wrote while I was on the piano. And this song I wrote while I was walking around and I came up with this cool bass line. It's, it's always sort of different inspirations, but mm -hmm. it's become just part of my vocabulary. The guitar drumming is just part of the vocabulary. Yeah. Sometimes it's featured, in, it's featured in a song. Sometimes it's just part of the overall texture of the mm -hmm. song. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, I'm really excited about it. And, and when I started going to open mics in New York City, after I'd sort of gotten to the point where I'd written a couple of things that I felt were really cool, mm -hmm. it was such an interesting feeling to start doing this guitar thing. And everybody at these open mics in, in the room, in these venues, these small places in New York City, all of a sudden, everyone was quiet. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll right? bet. And like, it was partly like, what is, what is he doing? Trying to figure out what I'm doing and then just being intrigued by the visual aspect of it, which I realized people need to see it. Yep. And that, that, that was what was really cool about then taking that guitar drumming idea and incorporating it into this, this tune track, right. which is right. giving me a a visual medium to showcase how I play the guitar. Well, you know, I think off the top of my head, you're you're actually the first guest on the show, if if I'm not mistaken, who we've played an instrumental track from. Uh, you know, with the the song that we played at, at the open of the show. And to the layperson, the automatic response would be, "Well, those have got to be easier to write because half the work is eliminated writing lyrics." Is is that true, Michael, or, or is it a case of it's true but only up to a point? Well, that track is, it has, that track has vocals, I recorded for it, and I figured as an intro, it might be kind of cool just in case there was talking going on and everything, that it be okay. an, an instrumental version of that, so that's why, that's why I sent you that instrumental version, but I think it's, uh... It's versatile yeah, it, enough it, that it works as an instrumental. It works as an instrumental, there's good melodic stuff happening in there. I think that... I don't think there's a clear-cut answer to that if it's necessarily easier to write an instrumental as opposed to a vocal thing. I think, you know, for me as a writer, th things happen at different stages. Sometimes I come up with a melody first for something, and then and sometimes it, I come up rarely with some lyrics first. Usually for me, lyrics are, are the last thing. Uh -huh. And sometimes, uh, you know... 
songs will exist as instrumental versions because I haven't come up with a melody or lyrics yet for something, so I'll, I'll just have these instrumental uh, textures and, and song ideas that sometimes will actually just work as an instrumental, yeah, and I've, yeah. submitted, I've su- submitted some of these you know, for some licensing opportunities, and they just exist as an instrumental. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it's an interesting question, and, and I don't think there's any clear-cut answer. I don't think it's easier one way or the other. I just think it depends on, you know, what's inspiring you as a writer at that moment, what comes first, you know, and what comes second. And I try not to overthink it. When, when, you're, when my brain switches into that creative, okay, think, stuff is coming out now, and I got my little my voice memo recorder going on my iPhone. I, I'm not editing. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just whatever's coming out is coming out. And then I go back and listen. So sometimes, yeah, it's just instrumental. Sometimes it's a vocal. It's always different. Well, usually at the beginning of the show, I start off by asking the guests to talk about their song that was just played. I, I, I do that as a courtesy, but also because the show intro makes it tough to hear all the lyrics, not to mention that the whole song doesn't get played. So... Uh, I'm I'm interested to hear then about the song "Work It Out" and and whether you want to comment yeah. on on you know on the in uh, the instrumental version that we just heard or or the full version sure. of, of "Work It Out." If if you just uh, if you just talk about that song, sure. I mean, one of the things that I was really excited about that song with with most of the tracks from "Hi How Are You" Volume One, I tried to incorporate and not necessarily feature all the time my all all of the things that that make me who I am as a musician. And one of those things is, is my stomping ability. I mean, the, 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 the stomp language is going to be a part of me until I move on to the next existence. You know, it's like that sound of just the, the, the feet stomping on the floor with body percussion and snapping and clapping and all that stuff. I wanted to incorporate that and that track work it out. I feel from the five songs that are on this last release, Hi Hawaii volume one, Really, there's something about how my friend and I mixed that, that the stomping texture and the drums, and, and it, it really created this really unique and cool bottom end and snare sound that I, I was like, that's, that's, my, that's my litmus, that's my A-game for how to incorporate stomping and drums into a cohesive texture. Mm-hmm. And so I was, really, I was really proud about that groove. That, that that keyboard part that I that I wrote for that that whole melodic thing. I remember I was in I was in a college arena. Uh, it was we were sound checking with OAR, and I just sometimes you just go to an instrument and you don't think you don't think about anything. You just go to an instrument and you you put your you put your fingers on it and you just start playing and you don't think. It's like this you know free association, and I just came up with that chordal rhythmic texture thing and I was like well that's really cool <laughs> and so I just you know I get out my phone and I record yeah. just record that idea and then I, I went back and listened to it and I was like alright this is there's something here and it started with that that whole kind of herky jerky but rhythmic roads kind of thing mm-hmm. and that's that, everything built around that Everything built around that sort of rhythmic chordal texture for that. And the song, as far as the lyrics that you didn't hear, but the title, Work It Out, is it's pretty indicative of what the song is about. It's things happen to you, you know, you screw up sometimes, you do something that offended somebody in an unintentionally, you know, you, you get into an argument, and at the end of the day, you know, Let's just let's, let's, let's just figure out how to work through this. You know, there's there's always a way. There's always a way to work through it, no matter how bad you think something is. And it, you know, some of it was sort of things that I've experienced, and then just some of it was just, you know, as far as the lyrics, which you didn't hear, uh, fictitious sort of situations that that just came to my mind as I was as I was writing it. But the, you know, I was really excited about. The, the melody for Work It Out, and that, that just came to me walking around one day, that opening texture, that, that whole thing. I'm probably not singing it in the same key, but <laughs> it's, it's, uh, 
Yeah, I'm just, I, I've never written anything in that feel either, that sort of groove and that mm-hmm. specific tempo and how it's laid back, it's not too pushed, you know, and it's just, when I do that live in my multimedia show, I, I, it's interesting, you know, to see how people move, mm. how f- physically they take on board. I know yeah. how music makes, makes me move, and I, I always love seeing that for the first time. That's how great. How people, you know, are going to move to that one, and they really like that one. Well, yeah, because when you hear an artist talk about, you know, I'm I'm anxious to see how the how the crowd responds to my music. You know, it it could be physical. It's not just you know, gee, they they clapped louder than they did last night or than they did for you know my. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 very visual for you. I'm I'm sure. We all know when we go see music too that all you know all of the reactions that you have as a listener aren't necessarily shown in an outward way a lot a lot of reactions that you experience when you're listening to music are internal and 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 so as a musician as a performer when you look out you don't see people clapping or dancing or smiling it's, it's easy to think okay they're not they're not feeling this but that's it's it's so untrue in, in a lot of cases that you know we we all feel things how we all feel things and I know for myself, I'm sometimes really moved by music, but I'm not necessarily showing it, you know? So that's a, that's, that's a tricky thing, but with, with, with that song, with Work It Out, it was like, oh, okay, people like to, people are grooving to this. And that's, <laughs> I, I mean, part of what I always wanted to do as a writer, as a musician, was, you know, inspire people to move. I, I can't stop moving when I play, for the most <laughs> part. It, it, it's difficult, you know, it's, it's a physical it's a physical thing for me and I'm not trying to create moves to music. I'm allowing the music to move me physically, emotionally, however. Well, you know, and if you think about it, that's the reason why someone like you can't be stuck sitting on a piano bench playing classical piano because it's you know, it's not it's not in your nature, you know, to sit still and, and just kind of, you know, play music and not really have any have any involvement with it um when you were talking about work it out i i wanted i want to take a leap here and, and say that the description that you gave it 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 might be almost like what you were saying earlier in the show which was hey you know what i try things out sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad meaning that you know if they're bad then you work it out you learn from it and you say all right you know i i I tried this it didn't go so well i got to do something different with it or i got to move away from it in a different direction so i kind of felt that you know when when you were describing the song i thought well he's kind of describing his own experiences um yeah absolutely absolutely i also wanted to ask you you know you mentioned that work it out is from high hawaii volume one (laughs) so does that mean that there's going to be a high hawaii volume two yes there, there's definitely going to be a high Hawaii volume two. I've the the original plan that I had was to release a whole series of five song volumes of music. Okay. So it started off with this high Hawaii volume one. I've already got the songs more or less planned for high Hawaii volume two. As soon as I get through this big tune track pitch push, then it's going to be diving into really starting to work on those songs and figure out which of the five songs are going to fit on that. And then it's moving on to Guitar Drumming Volume 1, Guitar Drumming Volume 2, and I've got another two or three names for volumes that I'd like to release. I was trying to do it on a six-month cycle, and it just became unrealistic. You know, I I impose my my deadlines and goals upon myself. I don't have a record label or management or people telling, we need it by now, we need it by now, which is good and bad. You know, I've got, I've gotten much better at, at trying to adhere to my self-imposed deadlines, but I think it's good that I have a little wiggle room and flexibility. So the six month cycle turned into maybe more of a year cycle. And at this point, I'm okay with that. It's just, I I just have so much music, so many songs that I just want to get out there. I just want to finish them. You're alive and be free to explore the universe, you know, and, and, and move on to the other ones that I need to finish. So that's it's like this you know elephant on my back of music of song and the elephant is just riding around with me and you know i i do my yoga and my pilates and i try to stretch so i don't feel the weight of the elephant all the time but he's there (laughs) Uh, i am bruce warzniak and joining me today on the now hear this entertainment guest line from new york is singer songwriter 
touring and recording artist Michael Paris, visit his official website at www.michaelparis.com, and his first name is spelled M-I-K-E-L. He is very active on social media, too. At the top of his website homepage, there are links so you can find him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, You can even purchase his music as well as Michael Paris merchandise on his official website. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it as well. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, your feedback about the podcast is always welcome. You can post your comments on that Facebook page that I just mentioned, facebook.com slash nowhearthisinc. Uh, I am thinking back now to episode 16 of this podcast and R.B. Stone referring to himself as, and I'm paraphrasing, the closest thing there is to a gypsy, or even episode 14 when I joked with Liz Longley that it seems Nashville is just where she goes for laundry to check the mail and get a change of clothes. That was that was actually a funny discussion. If you haven't already, listeners, go back and check out episode 14 with Liz Longley. What I'm getting at is, Michael, you've played seemingly everywhere, from Germany to Australia, New York to London. You just keep going. Every time you and I are in touch, there's always a project in the works, an upcoming show you're playing. Um, I've mentioned that you're based in New York, Yet this year, you've been doing some shows out west, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle. I know later this year, you'll be down here in Florida. Can, can you not sit still in New York? Is it, is it hey, a guy's got to pay the bills? Are, are you just, you know, so driven that, you know, you're just constantly on the go the way it appears that you are? I mean, you know, getting to perform is is the big payoff for me. It's, it's all those years of lessons and music school. And that's the most, you know, one of the most joyful, you know, two hours of any day is being able to perform and play music and share, share it with people have listeners there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a road dog. I love, I love touring. I've always been, an explorer. I've always been an adventurer from when I was a kid and we had woods in our backyard and I would, as soon as I was done with my homework and practiced the piano without doing my scales and arpeggios, uh, I had a backpack and I was out in the woods exploring, looking for something different, looking for something new. So traveling has always been in my blood and I just, I just can't get enough. Yeah. Do I, do I start to get a little weary maybe towards six or seven weeks out? Uh, Maybe if I haven't had a break for a couple of days, but I mean, when I was, when I was working with Stomp, we, there, there are people that were touring for years. They would, they would be home for a week and then be out for 10 months. And then, you know, and I did that for a little while and you know, it's just in my blood. I just, I just love traveling. I love touring. I love playing music in different cities and I love exploring different cities and seeing you know, our, our heritage in America and in, in every country, you know, uh, it's, it's easy to get stuck on in a hotel and, and, or a tour bus. And I've been here before. I don't need to go out and check out any sites or see, uh, it's, it's the same, same old place. And, it, and I've, I've gotten past that finally. And tune check has really helped me with that. It's motivated me, inspired me to, I'm going out and I'm going to this historic building you know, and I'm going to go check it out and play music and try and tell the story and experience. When you travel, you got experience. You know? Well, but but does it work so, the other way though? Do you ever get cabin fever and say, you know, this is it? Uh, uh, I'm, I, I can't take it anymore. I've been sitting here too long. I need to get myself out somewhere because I because I have been off the road. You know, as much as you talk about people being on the road too long, is is there a longing yeah. sometimes that all right, you know, oh, I yeah. need to go out and play somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. If I'm, you know, my, my general cycle is, you know, I can, I can be home for maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks before I start to feel like you start I, to need twitch. To, <laughs> I need to, I need to start, I need to get out again. I need to get back into that. And yeah, so I'll start to get a little antsy, but you know, I'll also make sure that I'm keeping busy with all, all of my sure, stuff. Sure, sure. Sure, and, and I'm not just sitting here twiddling my thumbs and and watching movies all the time. Of course, and, of course. You know, I I incorporate 
the twiddling. No, I incorporate the, <laughs> the movie the, the movie watching. I love watching movies. So so yes, yeah, it's I, I I I don't go crazy about it, but I certainly feel the pull if I'm if I'm home, you know, for two weeks, three weeks, a month. Uh, I gotta get I gotta get back out. Well, I like that you mentioned about you know those those two hours when you're playing, you know the the enjoyment that you get from that. We have talked on this podcast several times about the fact that at the end of the day, it's a business. And I remember specifically back on episode twelve, uh, I was talking with Mark Allen Barnett, and uh, you know we said that it is such a business that you know people see you up there working for two hours, and in fact, that really is actually the time that you're enjoying it when it's kind of not like uh, it's like I'm not working now. I'm I'm playing. I'm finally getting to have some fun. You know, all the rest of the, all, the, all the rest of the day is when I'm working. So that's that's good to hear. Not to mention, you know, that again for people who are getting formal training and thinking, oh my gosh, the the long grueling hours and effort that I'm putting into all this education and all this training, it it does pay off in in terms of some some joy that that will be recognized. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus, and this may sound silly or like common sense, but it's be aware of what time zone people are in. Especially if you're listening to this, for example, from the west coast of the United States and are contacting someone who's three hours ahead of you. If it's 4.30 in Seattle, then it's 7.30 in New York. Unless you're someone like me who never stops working, you might upset someone who's at dinner or just home relaxing if you're calling them at 7.30 at night. Same thing going east to west. Guess what? 10 o'clock in the morning in Miami means it's only 7 a.m. Pacific time. That's why they're not answering. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. Uh, on the note that we were just talking about, though, of, of, of getting out on the road, uh, we're in the home stretch of August here. And I remember that early in 2014, the, the word balance was following me personally everywhere that I went. And for all the hardworking entertainers out there that are listening, there's a prevailing thought that I can't relax or, or I'll miss out on opportunities. And, and back on that same episode, number 12, that I just mentioned, which, by the way, is still getting a ton of downloads and listens even now four months after it came out. I asked Mark Allen Barnett if there's such a thing as a typical day for him, meaning does he schedule out time to songwrite, time to work on this, time to work on that. What about it, Michael? Do you go out of your way to achieve that magic word, balance, or, or are you too of the mindset that it sounds nice, but there's just too much work to be done? I go through phases. I, I you know, I battled the whole music is a business concept for a while for too long. I just wanted to play. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a businessman. You know, I wanted to just be a musician. I wanted to. And so it's only really the past probably three years, maybe that I really got serious about, okay, I need to be taking this a little more seriously, the business side of things. I need to educate myself. I need to, I need to learn about, about this process so that I can be, I want to be my own business. You know, I, I started my own LLC, you know, it's like, uh, I'm a business, I'm a business, whether yeah. I'm working with OAR, whether I'm, whether I was in stock, whether I was, I'm doing this, you know, this, this is, I'm king of my castle. I'm king of Michael Paris and mm-hmm. what I do. And it's, uh, there's, there, I've, I've gotten, I've embraced the, the word balance and maybe for me it's, keep, it's keeping grounded. It's keeping, uh, a, a strong baseline that I can always come back to. And that maybe that's what the balance is for me. I, I try to make sure that I'm doing similar things every day. It doesn't always have to be in the same order. And I also found that if I have everything set up, if I have my little home studio and I have things, have my guitar always sitting right there and my piano's over there, I know that I can just at any given moment I can just walk by and just sit down and go, oh, I'm just going to play for a little bit now. Sure. And then maybe I write something awesome. So I don't, I don't necessarily schedule, you know, write writing time. I don't necessarily schedule practice or recording time. Or I just, I just know that I have these things every day that I, I want to touch upon. I want to, and, and, and I try to make sure that I do that. So I guess that's where I've gotten to with, with that word balance, uh, 
you know, um, some sort of, I'm staying grounded. I'm making sure that I'm touching upon these things for the most part every right. day. Right. And, then I, and then I feel good. I'm a list maker. I'll make, I'll, I'll make lists till there's no tomorrow. You know, I, if there's specific things, I got my list. You know, I used to just have a, a notepad and just write all my list down. So now I got my list in my phone and I just wake up and I'm like, all right, what's sort of specifically on the docket for today? Right. And I need to incorporate that into making sure I play some music, work on this. You know, it's been all about the tune track pitch reel for me for the past month. So every day for me, it's like, bam, do my stuff, wake up, stretch, yoga, have some food. And then I'm on my computer editing, editing video. And that, so it, I'll go through, that's the other thing too for me is I'll go through phases. I go through periods where all I've been doing for the past three weeks is this, that's been my focus. I'm still doing the other stuff a little bit, but I, I, I tend to need to focus on sort of one project at a time. Not that I can't multitask, but I like to do that. I like to just put all my energy into this. This is what I'm working on right now. So that I can put, do it, do, do my hundred percent on it. I can, because a lot of the magic that happens is when you're actually not sitting in front of the computers, when you're in the shower or when you're driving and you, and all of a sudden you have epiphanies, yeah, you, you get all. Yeah. Oh, that's what I need to do there. Okay. And then you go back and you do it. Like, perfect. That worked great. Well, not to so, mention that you, you did mention yoga and Pilates. So, I mean, there, those are opportunities right there for you to, you know, for you to try to get some peace, try to get some balance. Exactly. And I've, I've, you know, I on and off practice Buddhism as well. So I have, I have like a, my friend got me into this years ago and it has given me a lot of, uh, solace and 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 it calms my brain down which can be sometimes overactive <laughs> I, can just, I, I can sit and just chant even if it's for like 10 minutes just i can just and it's just that really helps keep my balance and grounding and i notice that when i'm doing it i'm just I'm, I'm a little more i'm a little more grounded not that i i don't do it every day but like I, you know just a little like all those things together i think help get you to where you're in a place where you can tackle everything yep. you can focus and you can do it, you know, yeah. and it's different, for, it's different for everybody, you know, what, what those things are, those pieces that create the full puzzle so that you can, you can get everything done, you know. Exactly, and, yeah, it's just enough to get you to where you need to be to, you know, to operate from, from, a, from a good starting point. Um, I want to I talk more, you've, you've mentioned Toontrek several times, and I had alluded to it in the intro to the show. Uh, I've, I've got some follow-up questions uh, to this, but first, just tell us how you came up with the idea Toon Truck because I you know I've watched I've watched some of the some of them on on YouTube and and I think they're I think they're really cool I, I think it's a really really great concept. Oh, thank you, I appreciate it. So yeah, I mean it really came out of looking at ways to take advantage of the fact that I travel so much for work and that I'm in really cool cities and I was just and and I've always had a love for architecture if. You know, there was a period of time where, when I was thinking about college, it was music, but I also loved, I loved architecture, which is a creative thing, too, and buildings and historic structures. And I didn't necessarily love, like, history in high school, mm-hmm. uh, as far as the class, but I've always, I've always loved exploration and, and finding that feeling of, of coming upon some place for the first time. And just, you know, you just have that sensation like you're looking at whether it's an old building or you're on top of a mountain that you just climbed and you're looking at this view, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah. man, that's just, that's just that feeling. And I wanted to try and figure out how to keep feeling that while I was traveling, playing music and how to incorporate. I, I, I love Survivor Man. I love Les Stroud. I think he is, he is great at what he does and it's a one man show and he goes out there and it's, and he's setting up all his camera shots, and he's part of, you know, he writes the music for the episodes. He plays harmonica. He's a musician also. And I've all, I was really inspired about his show and how he did it. And I was really inspired by Daryl's house and his, his thing where he's just, he's in his barn in his house, and he has guest musicians come over, but he also incorporates food, and they're sitting around, and they're talking sometimes. And yeah, social aspect. I, yeah, so I was trying. I was like, you know what? How can I combine those two feelings of of tr- of trekking someplace and then playing music in these spots and these places cool. that acoustically cool. and visually could be really inspiring and yeah. and tell tell a little 
tell some of the story about these places. Why am I there? Why, why is this place special? And so I just started researching online. I, I started coming up with all, all these sites, historic databases and everything, and said, all right, I, I did a test. There's a park by where I live. And I was like, all right, let me, um, let me take my camera and my tripod and my guitar and try and just, like, I started just doing test episodes. Like, how okay. am I going to structure it? Mm-hmm. What are the things that are going to stay consistent from episode to episode? Sort of my, you know, the things, how is it starting? How is it ending? I know yeah. it's going to end with a performance. And so I just started workshopping it. And it was a really, in, my, in the back of my head, too, it was a real way for me to have people hear my music. You know, I, I'm underscoring the episodes yeah. with music that I've performed at the, each location. So each the sound of each episode has a slightly different feel. Either maybe I'm in a theater or maybe I'm outside at the zoo. And so sonically, it's going to sound a little different. I really like that. It helped, helped create these uh, sonic textures that were slightly different for each episode. Well, not to and, mention that, you know, you get a song like Great Unknown, you know, which people hear the recorded version, and then they watch yeah. Toon Trek, you know, and they see it the way I saw it. I think you actually did that down here, that, that episode where you played it. I think that was down here in St. Pete, and, you know, sounded fantastic. So it also gives the viewer an opportunity to hear a Michael Paris song done a completely different way. I mean, I, I think Toon yeah. Trek is great because, again, it's showing how you're thinking out of the box. Everybody thinks they need to have their own videos. And then also, we've talked a lot on Now Hear This Entertainment about people wanting to get film placement for their songs. You've essentially done both. You've created a film so that you can put your songs into those videos. So we know they're your songs, and we can tell from watching that it's you holding the camera. But for someone that's as busy as we've established that you are, are you also doing all the post-production on Toon Trek, or do you have someone helping you out put these shows together? I do everything. Wow. I wow. I look I look at I look at where I'm going to be traveling a couple months in advance and say let's say uh, for example November we have a fall tour OAR and I've started I I will start researching all the cities mm. and finding potential locations that seem interesting to me. I'm, I'm glad you're I saying think, this. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm glad you're saying this because yeah. I was going to ask you if if you do any location scouting and it sounds like that oh. in a, in a sense you do. Yeah, there's. I, I I rarely get to actually go to the physically to the location, sure, sure. but I will. I will make phone calls and talk to people at historic societies, at at museums, at wh- wherever. And like the Vinoy Park Renaissance in St. Pete, you know, right. um, call calls. Hey, we're. I'm actually going to be, you know, staying at the hotel, and I see this in a historic hotel. I have this project. I'm going to be down there performing at Janice Live. And I would love to see if I can get into this historic ballroom, you know, where uh, they used to play volleyball in the 70s and, and all, you know, all this crazy stuff. And then I, I come up with, uh, you know, the whole structure of each episode. I write my the voiceover. I decide what songs I'm going to have as underscore. I decide what song is going to be featured. I go there with my tripods and my guitar and my camera back and all my... On my camera back, uh, on my back, and the camera gear, mm-hmm. and I set up all my all my approach shots. I I find the person who has agreed to be interviewed in most cases, and uh, think of questions that I have, and try to be off the cuff, and on and and I very often get real magic from these people. And then I come home, and I just started working in Adobe Premiere video editing software, mm-hmm. and I've been learning that over the past probably three or four months now, and I love it, and. I do all of the, uh, you know, editing, video. Ed- I do everything. It's it's it's, it's my baby, Unreal. and so I, I have. I'm responsible for whether I can't blame anybody for yeah, whether people yeah. like it or not. Yeah. You know, it's now in saying that, I would love to get to the point where I have a person or two where I can say, you know, here's all the places that I've researched. You know, or have some people helping me maybe with research. Maybe have an assistant with me at certain parts of each trek where they can be double-checking the focus, you know, making sure the lighting is maybe, you know, we can maybe tweak this a little bit. um, And then maybe have a guy that I can send my rough, here's my rough draft of the episode. Here's all the, here's all the content. Now make it look like an A plus, you know, I, I, there's, there's people out there that are way better at video editing and color correction than I am. You know, I, I do my best. Yeah, the, I, I, yeah, there are, but I'll tell you, you know, you're, the the shows look great, and I know that at the end, uh, you do 
list in the credits uh, what equipment that that you're shooting with, um, you know, which yeah. which is cool to see because I know people are interested in that kind of stuff. But but listeners, make sure you check out Tune Truck. I, I mentioned. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll say it here. Um, the uh, guest today is Michael Paris. Uh, visit his official website at at www.michaelparis.com and remember his first name is spelled. M-I-K-E-L. And uh, as I said, he's very active on social media. So go to his website and at the top of the homepage, there are links there to find him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And what I was getting at is YouTube. And YouTube will allow you to go and watch episodes of Toon Trek. And you can see essentially what the show is, the the great sounds that he's getting at different places, the the great visuals that that we're talking about. And of course, remember that you can purchase his music as well, uh, in addition to Michael Paris merchandise on his website. And be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R. Sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Please tell others about it as well. Feel free to use the social media buttons there to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. Uh, so, Michael, you're going to be pitching Toon Trek to networks soon. Are, are you at liberty to say which networks? And then also, are you taking that on yourself? Uh, are you just cold calling, or how is that whole process going to happen? It, that's still in the development stage. I have a couple people that have sort of become my champions in, in many aspects of my solo career and they're going to be helping me. I have an idea for where I think these episodes can fit. Right now I'm looking at them, you know, the episodes range from about four minutes to seven minutes. They're short little vignettes. Right. And I kind of see as far as how they exist now, I see them as fitting in between like, you know, where a show will, let's say Survivor Man ends and then Often on, on History Channel, Learning Channel, Discovery, all that stuff, you see little, short little documentary movies. This guy climbed this mountain and he filmed it, you know, and you see these like short little, you know, three minute, five minute little vignettes that exist between when an epi- you know, a show stopped and when the next show begins and there's some commercials and there's a little short little movie thing. I, I'm, I'm pitching it as that. I'm also pitching it as a full half-hour show, uh, and, you know, I think I've sort of touched upon where I, where I see it living. You know, there's, there's history, there's travel, there's music. It's, those are the three main things. You know, there's, yeah. there's, an, enter, there's an entertainment value for Tune Trek, which I've embraced. There's a tourism uh, side of Tune Trek that I've also recently embraced as a way to sort of have people see it and to learn about, hey, I'm going to Cincinnati. What's there to do there? Oh, I can yep. go on this tourism site and oh, this tune track about the Cincinnati Observatory. That, we got to go check that out. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think there's real strong educational value as well with these for 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 um, school systems and you know teachers that are talking about any of those three aspects. And then and then it's a school in Cincinnati, and now they can take a trip to the observatory. Yeah, and yeah, after, I love it. After, after watching this episode and seeing me perform, and they can go see where I actually set up and performed in the observatory and also learn about the history of the building and the structure and science and all that. So I, I think there's, you know, PBS, I'm, I'm, I think, is a good way, uh, home for it as well. I, I'm, I'm pretty open right now. I, I'm, you know, starting this whole pitching process, which is something new to me. It's, di- it's different than pitching music, which is what I'm used to. This is a new arena for me and I'm researching and, and looking at, you know, everybody that I know, you know, and, and I might even do like a social media blast and say, Hey, you know, let's get tune Trek on TV. And you know, if, if you have any, any, anybody, you know, that might be able to help make this happen, hit, hit me up, you know, and let's work on this together. Sort of like, instead of a crowdfunding program, it's sort of like a crowd pitching program. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like about. this whole this I like this whole vision that that you have for it, and and it does it does certainly have lots of potential. I myself am thinking of when you watch concerts on Palladia, that usually the you know the concert ends you know and it's only about nine minutes before the hour, and you go oh what are they going to do for the next nine minutes before the next concert starts at the top of the hour, mm-hmm. and that's a cool you yeah. Know, cool place to drop it in. Um, let's get back Absolutely. to talking about uh, scheduling and, and balance and the like. I mentioned in the intro that you're, of course, well-known for your work with OAR, uh, not to mention that you've performed with others like Pink, Train, 
and Jewel. Uh, I know some listeners that are performers like to mix and match, meaning do solo work but also perform with a band. Uh, but that's pretty much on a local level for all intents and purposes. How how do you schedule your your solo shows again? Since I mentioned that they're everywhere from the West Coast and Pacific Northwest all the way down to Florida, but you know still allow yourself to end up with availability in case there is an opportunity to jump on tour with a major act that's hitting the road because. You know, that that seems like a real balancing act, trying to get solo work scheduled in advance, but then not wanting to have to go back and cancel because a bigger, better opportunity came along. Yeah, I, I, I'm so against canceling. I hate that. And, you know, I've, I've been with OAR in this October. It'll be nine years. And it has been and continues to be my priority, you know, so I, I, I don't ever, I don't want to miss a show. I don't want to miss an opportunity with the band because I have something I've scheduled with somebody else yeah. or something that I've scheduled with myself. So yeah. it has, it has been tricky. It, it continues to be very tricky. And, and like I said, and like you said, you know, that whole having to cancel, I just, I just wanted to avoid me having to ever do that. It's just, even if it's for a legitimate reason, it, it, that sticks in people's minds, yep. you know, and yep. maybe they, they don't consider you for something in the future. You know, listen, I want to work. I love working. I love being a musician. And so, like I said earlier, you know, when I have downtime, I'm open, I, I'm open to, to working. And, and unfortunately, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult to plan too far in advance. You know, the OAR has released the, the Rockville LP, this new record. Uh, the single piece has been doing great. And opportunities come up, you know. There's there's opportunities for television and radio and uh, a performance here that maybe didn't exist two weeks ago. So I, 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 need, to, I need to make myself, and I want to make myself, always available mm-hmm. for all of those opportunities with the band. So what I've, what I've gotten to now is, you know what? I'm going to try and incorporate as much as my of my solo stuff within the OAR work schedule. So, you know, I tried doing uh, three summers ago. I did solo shows. I did after parties with Michael Paris. Mm. So we'd be like in Boston, and I had and I have I scheduled a solo show after the Boston OAR show wow. at like the hard the hard rock, you know, downtown. And so I did a whole summer of that. Wow. And I did maybe, I did maybe 12, 15 solo shows within, within the context of, you know, two and a half months of uh-huh. OAR touring. Uh-huh. And it was rewarding. And it, and I, again, I was doing everything by myself. I would go over during this day, sound check, sound check with OAR, you know, and then play a show and then go over and do the, it, it was exhausting, oh, but incredibly bet. rewarding. And I, I, I you know, I, 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 it was an experiment. I, that's how I look at all these things. It's like, that's going to be an experiment for this summer. I'm going to try this. Okay. I figured out what worked with that, what didn't work with that. And then the next summer, it was all about tune tricks. So I was, I was filming tune tricks. Uh, I would wake up in the morning, you know, go over at, to a location from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, and then get back to the OAR venue to sound check with the guy, and then I would edit and then do the show. So it's all—it was all about for me. How can I? How can I work these all in together where I don't have to worry about canceling something? I don't have to worry about scheduling something on a day off where all of a sudden something comes up, right. or you know, I'm going to go out for two weeks because I know the band says we have you know all of this whole month off, so I'm going to schedule going out for two weeks with this artist. And then something comes up. So I try to incorporate as much of my solo stuff now within the context gotcha, of gotcha. touring and OAR work. And it seems to be the safest. <laughs> it, it seems to be the <laughs> safest way for me to for me to go about these things. So so like with these with my multimedia show, we did a West Coast extended stay run where we were at uh, these venues. The OAR was at these venues for three days, four days. We did Vegas. We did San Diego, San Francisco. Uh, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles. And I got the idea for, you know what? Let me do a pre-show hang. Let me do a happy hour with Michael Paris. Wow. And let me ske- let me schedule some shows where I've got I've, I've partnered up with 
for me also, just as a global statement, it's all, it's really become about partnerships. It's become about, you know, partnering up with Pentax and Pentax was so generous in giving me all the, all the gear that I shot all my tune tracks with, cameras, oh, okay. lenses, everything. Okay. You know, and so it's, all, it's been about these handshake relationships where I'm going to help spread your brand and, and, and thank you for the product because that's allowing me to do my solo stuff. Yeah. I appreciate it. So, yeah. Um, I partnered up with a bunch of people and like Bose, uh, gave me these, uh, these towers to use for this multimedia show. I got a, I got a projector from Vivitex and I can project wow. all my imagery. So, and you know, and I give them love. I give them, yeah, I give them love sure. social media. So, so I went and did these happy hour shows. I was like, let me try doing that. Let me see how that works where I'll go at noon. I'll set up my multimedia show, which takes me about an hour and a half. I'm setting up a rear projection screen, projector, keyboard, guitar, you know, and, and I'm running all my sounds so mm. I can go in. I can go into any space as long as there's an outlet and I can do my show. <laughs> I don't need a sound. I don't need a sound completely self-contained. I wanted to be self-contained. I'm pre-mixing everything. Amazing. I got my laptop and I did four happy hour at Michael Paris shows. And those days were absolute madness. I'm and sure. again, incredibly rewarding. And people really dug what I was doing. And, you know, being a theater minor, and theater has always been a part of my life, I've always been super uh, in love with, with visual medium, visual art. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to incorporate visuals and theatrical moments into my live performance. So this multimedia show became this experiment of how can I use all this footage and imagery that I've created number one for, for tune tracks yeah. and just, just cool graphics and pictures and, 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 uh, things that, that I feel are supportive of the, of my songs. How can I create this experience, this, yeah, this multimedia awesome. experience? So it's a rear projector. I stand in front of it. So I'm not blocking any of the imagery and, um, it, 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 it everything worked. That's all I wanted was for all the, all the elements to work, the computer, my, I'm running Module 8, which is a VJ software, so I can tweak all these visuals. I created a virtual DJ who I animated. I'm also, you know, I had to learn animation software as well for this wow. multimedia wow. thing. And um, my graphic artist, who's in St. Louis, really, he, he's the one that helped create all this, all my branding and logo design for Hi Hawaii Volume 1, and I incorporated a lot of his stuff into the multimedia show, and it's just, you know, like I said, it, I'll, I'll fo I put all my energy and focus into this idea, and I, and I bam, I just work on it, and I get it as good as I can get it, and then I, I, I then I run the experiment. Yeah, and then, it, then it's up. Well, to, yeah, then it's up to then, then it's, it's up to the crowd to, to dictate to you by their reaction. You know, if, exactly. if yeah, um, we're we're about out of time, but uh, but I, I I do want to have a little fun here before we uh, before we close. As was the case uh, on episode twenty four. I've now heard this entertainment. There's nothing like having someone like Johnny Garcia on the podcast, the lead guitar player for Garth Brooks and for Tricia Yearwood, and hearing the guest tell you about hanging backstage with Paul McCartney for, for 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, Michael, we've mentioned your journeys around the globe playing music. Is there a real highlight that jumps out for you? And, and I guess that could be a solo show or, or with someone you toured with. Man, just... Uh, it's just so so many. I mean, the, the people that I've been fortunate enough to meet who have been idols for me, uh, you know, watching uh, when we were in Park City for Sundance, hanging out. One of the one of the most exciting moments that I've had with the band, as far as guests sitting in with us, was uh -huh. this performance in Park City, and you know, we had uh, Vernon Reed from Living Color, who I've become friendly with over the years who I've, I mean, been a huge fan of, and John Popper from Blues Traveler. Yeah. So they, they both sat in with us that night. But, but hanging, hanging, hanging with them after the show in, our, in the green room area, standing there, it was just me and John and Vernon, and listening to them converse and talk and just realizing how absolutely fortunate I am to be able to actually just meet these people on, on a, you know, relatively similar playing field. You know, where, they, they, you know, I still look up to them in huge ways. And, but being able to just stand there and just 
talk with them as relative equals, you know. Sure. Musicians, professional musicians doing their thing. Uh, you know, that that moment, it, it stands out huge for me. And, you know, doing a USO tour back in 07 with the band was one of the most uh, profound and uh, scary performance experiences I've ever had being being in, in Iraq on these on these bases, yeah, um, and, and and rewarding and, yeah. and that you know the, that audience performing for soldiers, uh, you know whether you support war or not, or a violent person or a nonviolent person, or, or support why you, you know a government has troops anywhere. The fact right. that right. As, as a musician you can go there and for you know two hours take their minds yep. away from yeah. what they're dealing with. Yeah. That, that was one of the most profound and emotional moments for me. And then, and scary, uh, you know, being in a base where there's mortar rounds sure, coming in sure. as we were there, you know, so those are, those are a couple that stand Absolutely. out. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to give the listeners a chance to hear an entire Michael Paris track uninterrupted. Uh, as we close out the show, we're going to play a tune of yours called uh, Great Unknown. So um, if you would, just close us out by uh, telling the listeners about that song. Great Unknown. I, I mean, it's, it's, that, it's what we were talking about, that feeling of, uh, of loving adventure and, and loving uh, travel and experiencing things that you've never experienced before, and, and then balancing that with, with the feeling of, of, of home and the feeling of, you know, wanting to be someplace that you're comfortable with, that you know. And, and then when you're home and you have those, that warm feeling starting to crave adventure again. So it's that, it's that back and forth that the song is really about that, that pull of both, both of those feelings and making it all into like a happy whole. And it's, uh, I'm really, I'm really, pleased with that song i actually wrote again the piano part for that we were in austin texas and there was a piano in the dressing room mm. it was one of those moments where i just sat down and it was the first thing that sort of came out and then jerry the tax player for oar came in and was like what is that <laughs> like, that's just something i'm working on and he sat down and he was like let, let, okay what do you keep, keep going keep going and i just nice. started singing a vocal and nice. it, it, it is what it is now, and I'm really proud of that yeah, song. And, very and cool. People seem to really like it. So. Very cool. Well, Michael, thanks so much for your time today. This has been great, as, as I expected that it would be, and uh, just some really tremendous insights today. Thanks so much for your time, for, for being on the show. Thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate it. It was great. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, I will close, as always, by formally thanking my guest. Today we heard from singer-songwriter touring and recording artist Michael Paris. Visit his official website at www.michaelparis.com. Remember that his first name is spelled M-I-K-E-L. And remember that he is very active on social media too. So go to his website to look for those links at the top of his homepage to find him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course YouTube, where you can watch episodes of Toon Trek. And you can even purchase his music as well as Michael Paris merchandise on his website. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. That's it, just one field to complete. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, relatives about it. And give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, and hopefully a five-star rating to go with it. That actually helps the show quite a bit. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share episodes on there. As I mentioned before, let's get your feedback on the show, too. Uh, post your comments on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to that and Twitter and even the Now Hear This YouTube channel on nowhearthis.biz. And uh, also for your SoundCloud listeners, don't forget that you can follow on SoundCloud. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in Crystal Blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song by Michael Paris. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Great Unknown. We always soldiered along Couldn't you flash, Sometimes you fall Try to keep on, keep on 
I am strong It's good to dig in Create the good vibes Keeps me up when I'm gone I fall when I'm down I set my sight high When I'm high I look down Look good to get there Do all the hardship I always soldiered along And we will live to fight Another day Putting you flush Sometimes you fall Try to keep on Keep on. 